0: Reverend,
1: entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, Happy New Year! Happy New Year out there! And uh, I'm Keith Reza with my trusty sidekick, Alan Lee. Yeah, bingo! Alan Lee, man, what a good year, huh? Alan oh, I Lee, just, uh, I think it was a wonderful year. Excellent, superb. Yeah, let me turn on your mic a little louder. Would Alan you please Lee. do that for me? I got
1: ah. talk. Thank you. It was a great year. I know everyone else out there had uh, some wonderful things happen to them this year, and some, sh- quite frankly, some shitty things. Uh, that said, uh, I felt I had a pretty good year. Yeah. How about
0: you? I had Keith. a great year. I, uh, I got arrested for drunk driving. Oh my god! Yeah. I, I'm sorry. And uh, I didn't hear about that. The second I got arrested, mm-hmm. <coughs> I called a lawyer. Okay. You know. Sure. And I called him, and uh, John Smith. You know, and his phone number is eight hundred. You know, five five five. John Smith. What's he? Got, he got me out of a DUI.
1: Fantastic.
0: So this episode is brought to you by John Smith.
1: All right, John Smith. Go ahead, yeah. Anyone out there uh, who needs lawyering, a lawyering, lawyering, just go out and get an attorney, John Smith.
0: i was just kidding. There's no such thing as a John Smith. I mean, I'm sure there is. But I wanted to, because I'm trying to get sponsors mm-hmm. for us, so I wanted to throw... <clears throat> How we'd sponsor it. Well, we were practicing. Like, we're yeah, practicing. we were practicing. So if John Smith sponsors us, mm-hmm. we'll be like, hey, uh Alan just got in a DUI accident and he called 1-800-JOHN-SMITH. We can just make this stuff up. Yeah.
1: Because it's Razor Riffs.
0: Yeah, Exactly. And then John Smith will be like, oh, well, this oh, is cool. I want to sponsor this podcast because, right. you know. Well, we hope that's. Wait, people wait. need to get drunk and dial John Smith. Wow. You know what I mean? There's one. Yeah. And, you know, we were planning
1: on driving for Uber, so it's kind of weird, you know, that we might promote Uber as well for drunk driving. You drunk call?
0: No, 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 no. Because Uber's not sponsoring us. John Smith is sponsoring us. Do not call Uber. No, no,
1: I meant we wouldn't get Uber as a sponsor.
0: No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. My co-host is a little under the weather here. Huh. Call John yeah. Smith. Okay. Good. To you go. like that?
1: I think it sounds And then when clear. John
0: Smith listens to it, he'll be like, holy lord, those guys are smart. I don't know about fucking Alan Lee oh, because he that's... said Uber, but...
1: <laughs> I'm trying to increase our sponsorship.
0: Can, well, if Uber was sponsoring no. us, I'd be like, hey, call Uber. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Right now, ladies and folks, the show is not sponsored, but we're talking to people and I just wanted to... Do an example. Of if the show was sponsored, we'd be like, "Hey, call John Spence. I think they got it. They got it. Yeah, excellent. Well, what to do? What to do? What to do? Oh, I know. Uh, last week we didn't have a show because it was the holidays. Mm-hmm. But the week mm-hmm. before we had Bill Dwyer. That was an excellent oh, show. A blast. Oh my God, he was so funny. He was on too. Yeah, you know, like is boom, boom, just boom.
1: wonderful.
0: And tonight we have yeah. comedy legend Argus Hamilton. Big time. Yeah, <clears throat> Argus has appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. That's big.
1: He has indeed. He goes back to a, a legendary period in history, in comedy history with uh, uh, Sam Kinison, uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, yeah. Uh, he's a uh, um, an icon at the
0: Comedy Store. Oh, somebody's calling. Oh. I don't know why. Well, let me just answer and say, hey, what's up? It could be our guest no, no no we're calling him hello you're on the air oh my hello hi this is Randy Randy hey.
2: yeah um, is this the Melissa Howard show
0: oh no it was that was the last hour
2: oh sorry about that oh.
0: <laughs> I do <don't know. laughs> oh sorry about that that's okay
2: All right. I'll call back I'll call back another time alright okay, thanks, thanks Randy
1: alright bye bye he probably thought the John Smith he heard the John Smith yeah uh and that that shows you he might have been he said wow john smith on the on the on the show and i
0: yeah yeah. well john smith is cool well hey so argus hamilton before we call him uh, argus hamilton he's a regular at the comedy store on sunset uh he's probably well one of the only regulars who's still there from when it was founded that's pretty cool right i would say so and the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, like many people, they, when you think of the Tonight Show, they think David Letterman, um, Jay Leno, you know, so, but Johnny no. Carson, that's, like that's, he was the one who started it all for the talk shows. That's a
1: historical name.
0: Yeah. Know. And he also wrote for Richard Pryor and he did shows with Richard Pryor and everyone knows who Richard Pryor is. Most people do. All right. So I'm going to call Argus Hamilton on my cellular phone just to tell him that we're about to call him. And then we'll call him on the studio. So, Alan, take it away for one second. Um, You know, I've heard
1: uh, Argus at the Comedy Store, and every time I just burst out laughing. Hey, Argus, it's Keith. Because, uh, oh, this is kind of weird. He's calling me. Good. Did
0: you want me to call you from the other phone? That sounds good. Do you want me to call you back on this number?
1: Everything is improvised at this show, for those of you out there who who want to know what's going on.
0: Okay, I'm calling you from the radio station, so my phone's going to come up a different number. All right, one second.
1: Wow. You know, this was a little inside stuff we're doing here for the audience about the show. Really, I bet it's really exciting out there. Now, Keith is going to dial Mr. Hamilton's um, phone, and then he is going to be able to speak with us,
0: correct? Okay, it's calling. <clears throat> all right
2: okay how does this sound oh hey oh, Argus.
0: wow this one sounds a lot better
2: okay this is the one we'll use okay <laughs> all right i was afraid <laughs> of, i was afraid the battery would run out on the other one. Oh, oh for no for worries this, this one's plugged into the wall oh wow
0: oh.
2: are you gonna uh, be able... anyway I, I do i do have to get out at 8 45 okay yes you got no it no problem the Thank show
0: you. the show is actually done by eight forty five.
2: So, okay, thanks, Keith.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for doing the interview, thank you, Argus. Argus. It's thank a huge you. honor.
2: It's my pleasure indeed. What's the name of the show? <laughs> uh,
0: the show is called Razor Riffs. It's a... It's uh, after my last name, and then we, we, we just riffed because we just talk, and we don't. Have, it's unscripted. Yeah, it's very difficult yeah. sometimes. You know, and uh, <laughs> this is my trusty sidekick, yes. Alan Lee. Yes. Alan uh, was telling me a story about, in the car, how he asked you to do the podcast last well, I, season, I didn't want and you said you were busy. Him. Well, I didn't. He's,
2: well, uh, that probably depends on whenever he said it was. Yeah. Did yeah. he say it was over the phone and no problem?
1: I don't no, know. No, do our, our, no, I did not do that. Excuse me. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, well, a couple of times I've been invited to do podcasts yeah. at the comedy store, and sure. they didn't show up. I'd show up at okay. 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, dear. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I've done a few of them, but I'm always glad to help you. Oh, yeah. You th- know? This
1: is wonderful. Yeah, in they- fact, I was just hoping that you were just lying in bed. I didn't want uh, him to, to make any extra effort for this, and that's a, that's the truth.
0: Wait, you were hoping
1: for Arius to be lying in bed? No, I'm saying that he didn't have to, like, leave and, and, and you know, go through any,
2: any hoops. Now, right. I sound, now I know how I sound like when I call chicks the second time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you
2: know, here's one you can have, okay? Please. It just seems to me, because I'm past the dating stage, but here's one for you, okay, Keith? <laughs> okay. All right. It seems to me today that most women are after security. At least that's what they shout whenever I approach them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. just going to like that. That's funny. Hey, Arias, we we have a question. I wrote it
2: today, and I figured, well, I'm too handsome for that joke. I better give it to a kid.
0: <laughs> uh, a kid who's almost just as handsome as you. Oh my
2: god. Okay. Well, mm. then hand it off to a homely friend who needs an opener. There okay? you go. There
0: you go. What? No, I was saying we're good. I'm I'm good. I'm almost. I think I. Uh, you're I vain. Mean, He's yeah. vain.
1: Very vain. Yeah, I'm vain. I just You know, he just okay, gave
2: me Okay, well, a joke. you know who I mean. Was just <laughs> find somebody that will owe you a favor, okay, and give them that joke. I can open with it.
0: Oh, okay. Excellent. Alan, I give you that joke. No, well, thank you very much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Let me do my hair
1: and my uh, teeth.
0: <laughs> hey, Arias, we wanted to ask you about your jokes because uh, uh, nice. you're, one of the, you're the funniest guy on Facebook because... You know, you you post so many jokes. Do you write all those jokes that day? Or do you, like...
2: like, Well, it's all because I have an obligation to a whole string of newspapers Mm -hmm. that uh, I have to write 13 jokes a day. Jeez. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yeah. uh, To fulfill my obligation to all these newspapers that take my column as a daily monologue, kind of like Johnny Carson's monologue used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Today's... Late night monologues tend to be slanted politically one way or the other. Yes. Uh, Johnny was essentially and faithfully neutral, and so I'm I'm that way as well. I like the kid both sides. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm I'm sort of a Tory, no, and uh, think you think so. th- that is uh, I believe we should ask Queen Elizabeth to forgive us and take us back.
1: Like you say, six clicks to the right of Rush Limbaugh.
0: Well, I just think I just think that's so amazing because like it's hard for me to write 13 jokes a week, and you do it a day. Like that's just well,
2: the, the whole key is just to pile pile up a bunch of facts or stuff that's going on in the news or things you've noticed about yourself lately, yeah. and then turn off the radio, turn off the TV set, and concentrate. And you can do it. Yeah. All that's my like... jokes are three sentence jokes. The mm-hmm. classic setup, uh, premise, setup, punchline. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like, like for instance, uh, one I wrote today that I'm going to open with tonight. Entertainment Weekly noted how Hollywood stars are becoming more outspoken about their spirituality. Not everyone's on the same page, Keith. This past weekend, Kim Kardashian announced he's writing a book about strength. It's a tribute to the capacity of yoga pants to withstand anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So it's, it's basically, so. if, this, if, if comics are <laughs> listening, every joke basically has three elements to it. The premise, the setup, and the punchline. Yeah. And then after that, for any listening comics, the great David <laughs> Brenner had the best line about where you are in this country and how to tell the joke. Do you want to hear it? Yes. David Brenner used to say every joke has three elements. premise, setup, punchline. The A, the B, and the C. David Brenner said if you're in New York you tell the crowd the A and the C and they laugh. If you're in Chicago you tell them the A, the B and the C and they laugh. But in Los Angeles you tell them the A, you tell them the B, you let them know a C is coming then you tell them the C and they laugh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that that's like really good advice though because like when I do the road and stuff and those in those three cities that works but like if you do like arizona or something it it seems like they just want the b and the c like they don't really care about the a i didn't
2: know that yeah 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 just just got to the chase is that it
0: yeah yeah Yeah. so but i mean those are my favorite types of jokes the you know the premise the setup and the punchline just boom you know because i think like i i always thought the perfect joke is where the setup and the punchline is identical you know? Oh yeah,
2: well, that's the fastest, yeah,
0: yeah, so those but, are but my you
2: run out of stage time pretty fast, just doing that <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true they that cut that, that's true.
1: some time there, but
2: you got yeah. you gotta walk the dog between the punchlines, you know, <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> so now, I, how did you find crowds in Arizona? Uh, did that do they watch the news more than they do in l a uh
0: I don't know i don't I don't really do news jokes when I do stand up i I just talk about myself, so yeah. I mean. I mean why you want to open
2: for me or something? No, I I I really wondered uh about I, I was guessing that Arizonans uh watch the news a lot more. Uh-huh. What I find is that people in LA they know pop culture backwards and forwards. Yes. They know oh, everything yes. that's that's mm-hmm. been on uh, mm-hmm. uh uh what what's what's TMZ? Yeah. They know everything that's been on TMZ and Entertainment Tonight. Exactly. I agree with and that. But, yeah, But whenever I go east of L.A., I notice they know everything that's been on Fox News.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they know, like, who's the number one <laughs> criminal
1: and all that stuff. Well, there, there's, there pol- there's also politics on Fox News, not just uh, news stories about criminals. Oh, yeah. But then I guess some politicians are criminals.
0: Well, mo- mostly in, like, Arizona <laughs> – uh, the jokes are they really like jokes about Arizona they don't like a lot of California jokes because oh, ah. you know, really yeah is that a little bias it's not biased it's just Arizona thinks that no it no
2: it, it's called a dry hate
0: yeah <laughs> dry hate <laughs> exactly like if you if you just talk about Phoenix they'll love you they'll be like ah. yeah Phoenix oh, yeah,
1: yeah. but not Ohio
0: or no they'll be like no. what's Ohio and then you're like oh it's a state they're like oh yeah
2: well, here's a tip for you. Back in the 1920s, when Will Rogers was doing his one-man show all across the country, mm-hmm. and it was all booked up and sold out ahead of time. He was the highest-paid comedian in the world. But the first thing he would do when the train would pull him into town is he would go to the barber shop. And he would get all the gossip on the mayor, the town council, all the civic and local issues. And he would go on stage that night and do open with 10 minutes about whatever local town he was in. Oh, and fantastic. he'd have a meeting out of his hand.
0: Wow. That's <laughs> uh, funny that you... That's uh, great. It's funny that you mention uh, Will Rogers, because uh, didn't Robin Williams compare you to Will Rogers?
2: Yeah, Robin and I were really close friends. Yeah. Uh, Will and my grandfather were very good friends.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, they were raised together in Indian territory. Uh, back wow. when it wasn't really Indians, it was just Confederate veterans and their families who had fled the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Will and my, uh, Will's, grand, Will's father and my great-grandfather had fought in the uh, Confederacy together. And so they were raised together. And they were very good friends. And Robin didn't even know that. Wow. And, uh, Isn't amazing amazing? Well, uh, am I'm very honored. Uh, I've got a joke about him uh, that, um, you know, whenever you criticize the government, you know, mm. you better watch out. Will Rogers once said that we have the best government that money can buy. And the next thing you know, he died in a mysterious plane crash.
1: Oh, <laughs>
2: That's a little dark. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... Well, we're not here to play softball. <laughs>
0: true that's true, that's really true. <laughs> oh my god that's yeah. funny uh <laughs> we're not here to play softball uh arias so you did the tonight show with johnny carson what was that like
2: well it was the biggest deal in the world back in the 80s i started i did it about 29 or 30 times but yeah. my first time was after three and a half years of developing at the comedy store westwood uh I came out, right out of college, out of the University of Oklahoma in March of 76. And Mitzi saw me two or three times uh, on open mic night. And we were lucky back then because the Comedy Store Westwood is where she would send all the baby boomers over to develop. Mm. And I found myself in 1976, Keith, with a pledge class of Robin Williams, Michael Keaton, Arsenio Hall, Marsha Warfield, Bob Saget, Mike Binder, unbelievable array of talent. Uh, uh, just one right oh uh, Sandra Bernhard, all of us were kids. I mean, we're 20, 21 years old and on stage together every single night with this campus crowd at UCLA. And so we developed pretty quickly. Uh. Uh, during this time, Mitzi would have all her New York comics and the older guys up at the Sunset Store. And so we were able to develop at warp speed because we were performing in front of our peers, and they gave us tremendous, you know, feedback and, and you know, and support. So that after only three and a half years, I was ready for my first Tonight Show shot in January of 80. And the way it's different now is, is that back then the whole country watched Johnny. Everybody who was up back during the three-network era, Keith, Stayed up and watched Johnny. You would have thirty to forty million people watching his show every night, like yeah. the whole country. And more importantly, guys, all of show business, everybody who was anybody, all the power brokers, the head agents, managers, and network executives, all watched The Tonight Show. Yeah. And so when you, you know, the classic thing is, you know, you've had three and a half years to come up with a seven minutes, and you do it. Your your knees are shaking. You've dreamed all your life of this moment, and you go out and you discover Keith. Johnny did what Johnny was not raised in the nightclubs. Get this: the front row is forty feet away from the star you're standing on, and there's three cameras between you and the front row.
3: Wow, wow.
2: So what you immediately do as a survival task is it Using the ABC, you know, how to tell the joke, premise, setup, punchline. Yes. You figure out that everybody in the crowd is looking at the monitors anyway. So, what you do is you play the left camera for the premise, the right camera for the setup. And then, boom! The punchline right to that middle camera, and that crowd would react just like they were a regular front row. You know what I mean? That's great advice. Actually. Wow, that's great. He broke it down. And yeah, remember the first thing Jay Leno did when he took over the Tonight Show was change the entire studio and bring it up to where he was standing right on top of the crowd. Yeah. Well, that's why. Wow. See. And J- Johnny didn't know any better because that studio had been built in the mid nineteen fifties for all these great variety shows from Red Skelton, Jack Benny and your show of shows, all these, I mean, not your show of shows, but a lot of West Coast variety shows were in those studios and you didn't need the front row up close then.
0: Yeah. See, I just think it's just amazing because like a lot of um, comedians like right now, like especially the younger crowd, they're like, oh, we just want to get on Conan or, you know, something like that. But like when I started doing comedy, I only had to get on Letterman. But that can't happen now. But I know, like, I'm good friends with Norm MacDonald, but he always wanted to do Carson. So it's yeah. funny how, like, that's, you know what I mean? How that's, uh...
2: Well, you instinctively pick the guy, yeah. you know, that's the man. And you pick the right guy.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Johnny Carson, yeah. I think, is the best talk show ever because he was the first one who actually brought it like that. Yeah. So...
2: And and he was absolutely the king. And... Uh, what it was like, though, was with the whole country watching, everything happened after your first kill. Yeah. I mean, everything. I'd come to the comedy store the next afternoon. Well, first of all, we went over to Mitzi's house that night and partied and celebrated because Johnny not only introduced me, not only did I, thank God, kill the crowd, but Johnny got up, walked over, and shook my hand wow. right there in the middle of the stage. And the place just went wild. And the next morning, Or well, we go over to Mitzi's house, and about 20 of us, we just party until 6 in the morning. And after about two hours sleep on the couch there in Mitzi's bar, I walk down Doheny. Now, here's the difference. I'm still in my white suit. It's January 9, 1980. And as I'm walking down Doheny over to Sunset for about a half mile to Palm Avenue, where I go down to my apartment... Cars on their way to work are honking and waving at me and saying, great show last night. You were great. Fantastic.
0: That's awesome.
2: I mean, it was the most unbelievable moment of triumph. The moment of triumph was walking home from Mitzi's the next morning. Yeah. When you realize how many people watched that thing. And then after a good day's sleep, I went to the comedy store that afternoon about 2.30 or 3. Keith, and back then they had, you know, these while you were out pink messages, you know,
3: uh-huh.
2: at, the, at the switchboard. I had 25 messages from agents and managers and network executives uh and uh universal also uh wanting meetings with me.
0: Oh, that that's good. Did you it, I mean the whole
2: country watched that.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. I yeah. I I heard you were trying to get your own TV show a few years ago. Did that ever like was that did that come from one
2: of those meetings? Well, what I, they all threw sitcoms at me. I turned down 3 dozen of them because I just wanted to host a, uh, a show and uh, and do a nightly monologue on the news. Yeah. But my so I'm just racking up the tonight shows with that in mind, turning down all this other stuff, and I still know I did the right thing because the last thing I needed back then was fifty thousand dollars a week with my cocaine habit. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: so, <laughs> Oh, you know, uh, and so
2: so what happened was by about the mid 80s and it was time to really step up uh it was time for me to get well yeah and mitzi shore and johnny carson both at the same time gave me ultimatums you know if i didn't get well i didn't have the tonight show and i wasn't going to have the comedy store and so uh, i went to the betty ford center in, in 86 and while that was happening jay and david of course. Cornered, who's going to replace the 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 great Carson in two different ways, and so by the time I got out of rehab and got you know my feet back in to the game, uh, I was uh, offered the Fox late show following um, uh, Joan Rivers's disaster, and Arsenio helped me get that bid, but it didn't work out. Oh,
0: that's so. uh,
2: I uh, I wound up going the newspaper route. And, uh, you know, been killing at the comedy store every night ever since.
0: Yeah. That's where I've seen you at the comedy store like five or six times. And I actually met you for the first time a few weeks ago when I asked you about the podcast Mm -hmm. and, you know, you always made me laugh, but like, like when I watch your standup, I was I just think, Oh, this guy would be a great host for a show like the tonight show or something. So what
2: I'm doing is right now. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, the uh, legendary TV producer, George Slaughter, who was uh, uh, the the famous producer of uh, Laugh-In back in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. as well as Real People in the 80s and all these Sinatra specials. He's like the, the head of Beverly Hills Society, and he has a huge production company on Beverly Boulevard that does commercials all day, and uh, he's always been in my corner. He had me and Robin on his show in 1977, uh, the new laughing show. I did the news, and Robin did sketches on NBC. Yeah. And, uh, and he's going to uh, produce a TV uh, pilot. We're going to go to the Golf Channel with it. It's called Lord Hamilton. And, <laughs> and Lord Hamilton, I'll, I'll go out and I'll give the Tory version of the news, jokes, you know, <laughs> and then interview celebrities who play golf or funny golfers. That's great. And for the hour, That's well, I yeah. could
0: totally see that. I mean, you yeah,
2: know. and I'll I'll, have, I'll be standing in front of a portrait of Queen Elizabeth and Arnold Palmer, <laughs> for the king and the queen.
0: But hey, at least you'll get your goal, right? I mean,
2: yeah. Well, the whole idea is to bring new viewers to the Golf Channel and to you know have a place where uh, I can really uh, joke about the news from a Tory perspective. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's sort of an Episcopalian Methodist uh perspective that hasn't really existed in the nightly monologue since Johnny retired.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. It, well, ha- it hasn't, has it, it? it? No, but that's cool that yeah. you're gonna bring it back on a golf channel. Yeah.
2: Yeah so. well uh, we, we we gotta sell it, but uh, you both know, I mean, I think you know I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've had enough seasoning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I I'm I'm serious. I, I I'm bummed that you you know the you never got the Chance to host a because I think he would be a great host on a Tonight Show or something like that.
2: Well, I appreciate it, but the, the people can come see me at the Comedy Store every night, and I, I get up there and give the same you know amount of time, and I have just as much fun. Trust yeah, me, that's yeah. true. And it's a, it's a big and crowd. you know what? I haven't had I don't have a house to pay for. I don't have I don't have a, a di- divorced wives to pay for. I don't have kids to put through private school. It's worked out really nice for Lord <laughs> Hamilton. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> Now, Arias, I have a question. Uh, you, you were doing the comedy story with Richard uh, Pryor and Sam Kennison. Do yeah. uh, you have any cool stories about those two? Because they're comedy legends.
2: Well, yeah, i got a couple of them for you. Uh, first of all, Richard Pryor. There was never been a hotter comedian on this planet than Richard Pryor uh, back in the mid to late 70s. Mm-hmm. What happened was, was that Richard was a very naturally funny impressionist. He was Richie Pryor in the 60s. And he started getting better and better, started doing TV, just naturally funny. Everybody loved him. And he kind of cracked up on stage in Las Vegas in 71 and wound up at this brand new comedy store in 1972 where he met the great Paul Mooney. And Paul Mooney turned Richie Pryor you know the the cute impressionist into dark Twain.
3: Wow. Okay,
2: and I mean it was all a metamorphosis. It was a collaborative effort between the two of them, and uh, Richie got fast, got so good so fast that he was actually the one they wanted to play the lead in Blazing Saddles, but th- the I Warner Brothers I I wouldn't of sign that. off on yeah, him because they knew he, he did coke.
0: Yeah, wow. I heard something like that, yeah. Well, oh,
2: that that happened. So so Mel Brooks threw a writer's gig at uh, Richard, and they sat around the writer's table and did coke the whole time they wrote the movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know why it's so funny and fast. <laughs> 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 so anyway, uh, Richard then came out, I think in 75, with his famous album, That Nigger's Crazy and it captured the college kids. Yeah. And I mean, college kids played that album over and over and over, and he became a cult hero off of that, uh, off of that album. When he took the fearful dreaded N-word, just like they did in Blazing Saddles, and turned it into slang that, uh, that exists in rap music to this day. And I'm telling you, when he would go on stage, he, he loved to do new material, and he loved to churn out new albums. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: so once a year, Richard Pryor would have a show at the Comedy Store Sunset, like in 76, 77, 78, and 79. He would have the 10 o'clock show. He would have his own 10 o'clock show. He would have David Letterman open, Marsha Warfield go in the middle, and then he would go on for about an hour and a half and work out new material every night. And the room would be jam-packed to the rafters.
0: Wait, he did this every night or once a year?
2: Uh, For for about three months at a time. Oh, okay. Okay, and the comedy store would be the hottest place on this planet. Mitzi had meanwhile purchased the entire comedy store in 76, so we had a main room as well. But Richard loved that original room. Uh So in 1977, after his second album, he got a deal with NBC to put on six specials right in a row to compete with Monday Night Football. And so Richard got uh, Robin and me and Marshall Warfield and uh, Sandra Bernhardt and about well, Alan Bursky, uh, David Tyree, a whole bunch of us, Baby Boomer Comics, to be the sketch you know actors on the show. And we put together these six epic shows on NBC. and it was some of the funniest stuff you've ever seen. You can still Google, uh, the Richard Pryor specials on NBC, yeah. and see the To Kill a Mockingbird uh, sketch, uh, to see some of uh, the roast of Richard Pryor. Uh, it was just incredibly funny stuff. The Richard Pryor played the first black president in one of the sketches, giving a press conference. It was so outlandish back then that it was considered a hilarious premise for a sketch.
0: <laughs> um- Argus, we have a Twitter question for you because what I do is I promote the show on Twitter and Facebook and I get questions. Yeah. Uh, so we have a Twitter. Are you, Cole, answering a Twitter question?
2: Yeah. You want me to finish the Richard Pryor story? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, finish
0: the Richard Pryor story, yeah.
2: I just want to say that he would take us all over to his house on Saturday nights and we would party at his house in Northridge and, you know, wake up. Like 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon when Richard was in his worst shape of all. Yeah. I said, My line about Richard back then is on Sunday afternoons, you never knew if Richard, you know, was going through cocaine withdrawal or if he just really hated cats. (laughs) That's
0: funny. (laughs) Really hated cats. (laughs) I really hate cats too. They're like, you know. Yeah. But. Uh, so, Twitter question for Argus Hamilton. Argus, who is your favorite comedian working today at the comedy
2: store? Uh, my favorite comedian working today, I have two of them. One of them is Bill
3: Burr. Ooh, ooh, yeah. when,
2: uh, when I get to work with him in La Jolla, we just blast the roof off of that room. We have a comedy store in La Jolla that may be, well, it's easily the best acoustic room I ever played. Mm-hmm. And Bill just creates a way there. And Bill makes me laugh. He is funny. Yeah. And the other comedian that really makes me laugh, that's really, really smart, is Kirk Fox.
1: Oh, yes. Love Kirk Fox. Fox. Yeah,
2: Kirk Kirk is a a tennis player out of San Diego. Mm -hmm. And he's done a few TV series, and he's about to star in a CBS uh, cop show starting this week or next week called Rush Hour. He's going to be one of the co-stars on it. Yeah, we, and he is funny.
0: Oh, well, uh, Kirk Fox. I mean, he's hysterical. He uh, opens up for Kevin Nealon a lot. Yeah, and, and I'm a huge Kevin Nealon fan, so I got to Me know. Me too. Yeah, so I got yeah, to. know... Ke- yeah,
2: Kevin developed out at the Improv while we were up at the Comedy Store. He, yeah, he's as funny as it can be.
3: Yeah,
2: Kirk had a great opener. He just came up with it the other week. He said, "How great it feels when you when you get a you know." A, a beautiful girl's phone number. You know how great it feels when you get her number. You know, he, he was at the dog park. He got it off her dog tags. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he, he. I love it because he, he's hilarious. Yeah, because Kirk's a writer too. You know, and he makes. Oh it, yeah, yeah, quite a writer. And, yeah, and as,
1: as he, yeah. Argus is as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, those and those are my favorite type of comedians. Ones who like write a lot like see that was another question i had for you Arya. so you you write so many jokes do you ever like write jokes for other comedians or did you no, ever do that no
2: I, no I don't have that much time to interact with other comedians yeah I, I have to leave the comedy store right after my set get home and and get to bed because i wake up at six thirty in the morning and i have to run eight miles a day and you know i'm very active in uh, recovery in, in west hollywood and beverly hills 29 years sober now Yeah, well, I've got things to do all day.
0: Congratulations!
2: Congratulations is great. Yeah. Oh yeah, Beverly Hills, IA is great. (laughs) The most beautiful women in town, and and, they—I can tell you—and the youngest women in recovery because they got the cocaine for free.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that was
2: funny. So there was no pacing for them. They had to get well by the time they were twenty-two, or else.
0: Ar- Argus, uh, do you have any advice for a comedian on how to become a regular at the comedy store now versus how to become a regular at the comedy store in the 70s and the 80s?
2: Yeah. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, you really it really wasn't up to you. Mitzi would take one look at you and determine your charisma. Uh-huh. If you had charisma, she would do anything for you. She would send you over to Westwood and develop you. If you showed that that, that sparkle on stage—that's all she looked for. She didn't look for laughs. She looked for personal sparkle. Okay. And I guess that's a spiritual thing inside of everyone—that uh, it's either on or off that night. We both have had it on. We both have had it off. But once she saw it, she would do anything for you. And it was a—it was a very important time because so many talented baby boomers were turned off of politics by watergate and the richard nixon scandals so instead of going into politics a lot of public personalities went straight into stand-up and here we were there was 70 million baby boomers graduating from college and there were four or five comedy clubs three in new york and two in la Uh so so making making it through that open mic night You know, was the most important thing you would do in your life until you did your first Tonight Show shot. Yeah. Today it's completely different. In the old days, what you did was you you worked hard at the comedy store. Uh, You did slots at the comedy store so you could go on television. Today you have to go on television in order to get on at the comedy store. Wow,
1: interesting. Yeah.
2: Completely flipped because there's 409 scripted TV shows now. On, on on television I, I read that the other day and uh, not to mention all the variety shows and talk shows I mean Keith you could be the second lead on a sitcom and I wouldn't know you yeah you know because there's so many channels and yet back when I started in 76 there was a national debate over whether the fourth lead on the Mary Tyler Moore sitcom Ted Baxter should have a girlfriend Georgette a national debate wow. fourth lead on a sitcom
0: so are you trying to say you, you don't watch my sitcom
2: uh, I'm trying to say
0: uh, I'm just kidding there's, I'm not, no, not, there's not, not, not
2: enough people to watch anything right now to really launch you into stardom it's all up to your publicist now yeah. you you have to have the publicist is the most important thing in show business right now anybody and everybody can be on TV
0: that's true, that's true. the thing is though like I don't have any desire to do TV. I just want to do stand-up, you know? Like And, uh, like, uh, my favorite comedians are always at the Comedy Store, too, and I've opened up for a lot of them, too. And They're like, uh, we can't get you in. you got to go through ropes and open mics. Well, then, and, then
2: I would suggest to you that uh, you find a, a particular favorite stage in Los Angeles. Yeah. What you do is, have you got an agent yet? Yeah, I do. Okay. You have your agent... Hook you up with, with Showtime or Comedy Central, and no matter what, get that Comedy Central or Showtime or HBO special. Yeah. That 30-minute thing. And if you get that, then you get your foot into the Comedy Store.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm hoping to do. Sounds like great advice. I make it. Well, here's
2: what, here's what you do. You stop hoping. And you, you sit down tonight, and you write down the things you're going to do this year, and you say by when you're going to do them. And you let that piece of paper be your boss. Everything else is just a wish. Wow. Because you can fret away year after year after year in this business by simply saying, I'm going to do that pretty soon. And pretty soon becomes last year. You have to write it down, commit it to paper, the five goals. They're personal, professional, spiritual, you know, whatever they are. Write those goals down that you have. And not only write them down, but write a date down by the time you need to get it done. Because if you'll write that date down, the clock starts ticking. And the thing that makes you a good stand-up in the first place, Keith, your competitiveness, finally starts working for you. Because you have a balance inside you of your ferocious competitiveness balanced by your innate sloth. Okay? Yeah. And they're always teeter-tottering. You know, if you're an artist, that's the way it is. Okay? Okay. But if you commit yourself to paper and you have that paper where you can see it every day, that competitiveness and you will win, and you'll and you'll figure out ways to do it.
0: That's that's what I'm going to do. That's great advice because I always make New Year's resolutions and stuff, and uh, you know, uh, like one of my New Year's resolutions last year was you know obviously be a regular at the comedy store, Laugh Factory, and the Improv. I nailed two of those three. So yeah,
2: okay you know, then. To make the comedy store your uh, your your uh, goal, and I've just given you a good way to do it.
0: Yeah. So
2: the whole um, idea is, is in our business as comedians is to achieve these goals, so we can attract the wrong women and screw up our lives and give us more <laughs> material.
0: <laughs> I like that. It's great. Well, we only have five more minutes left. Uh, Alan, do you have any questions for the great Argus? Oh, no,
1: I I uh, I've seen Argus perform uh, often at the at the comedy store, and I, I just uh, love his stuff. And, uh, well, thank you very much, Alan. I appreciate you're, it. You're quite welcome. And I love what you say that uh, you're part of the uh, lineage of Alexander Hamilton. But then, uh, you know, Alex ha- uh, Alexander Hamilton could not be footer than you. He was a banker.
2: Well, yeah. Well, he was the black a... sheep of the family because he fought for the rebels. <laughs> that's right. We were all Tories. That's right.
1: Oh, that's a great. He,
2: yeah, he was. Uh, he's a cousin of mine. He's the Ambassine <laughs> line. I, I say on stage that uh, my we royalists. My fan. My family My line of Hamiltons, we were, were from a dukedom, the dukedom of Abercorn. We lost the English Civil War. We lost the American Revolution. We lost the American Civil War. And in the war on drugs, I fought for Columbia.
0: <laughs> that's that's good, so great. Wow. Oh, that's interesting that uh, you're related to Alexander Hamilton, because I've always said he's one of the greatest minds in history. You know, oh,
2: just- you have... You, you were fed such a line of bull about American history. Hamilton was the biggest monarchist of all. What? Yeah. He, he absolutely. He all was. the founding fathers were monarchists. What they were petitioning George III was to just rule directly over the colonial legislatures. No parliament. That's what the original charter said, guys. Uh. And so when we finally win the independence, Hamilton takes over the, the 1787 convention, and they wind up giving the President of the United States... More power than any English king it had, had since Henry the Eighth.
0: Yeah. Well, I was just kidding. I, I I don't think he's the greatest mind in history. Take that back. Eh? I take that back. I just I just love the ten dollar bill. Like that's the only. Oh reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's
0: the only reason why I said it that. rolls up nicely, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Well, Argus, thanks so much. Oh, oh this was great. Oh, uh, we have one last question. If you could just nip it real fast, I'd appreciate okay. it. Uh, do you like the roast battles at the comedy store?
2: I go home before those start, but the kids love it. And I recommend all the millennials in L.A. to go see that roast battle on Wednesday night. The kids have the time of their life up there.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Argus. I really appreciate, you, Argus. appreciate it, man.
2: You're, thanks for having me on your we show. We you. And say hi to me, when Alan and Keith, when you see me at the store, all I, right? I we sure will,
1: Argus. We, we will.
2: Okay, good luck to both of you. Thank all you, right. sir. Thank you, Argus. Right, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow.
1: That my friend uh, that, was in the can, and uh, I just was blown away.
0: That is an
1: interview, ladies and gentlemen. I, holy I, lord! I mean, you know, he gave about about a thousand dollars worth of comedy comedy advice. Oh my god! In in about it, ten minutes, you know, half these people out there don't even say the uh, the the uh, the, n- tonight, the, nuggets. the
0: Tonight Show advice. A no- oh holy my god! Holy. Oh, the writing, the jokes, the difference Going, between different cities you know obviously you know he had to rush it a little but
1: he's headed no ladies wow we, why don't you tell the folks that oh yeah he's headed at, headed at
0: the comedy store right now his set is at nine o'clock so well, it's just a bit after nine but get there go yeah ahead. so hey, turn you, off the channel man <laughs> and go see Argus yeah, if you're in the area wow that was over there now that was like uh, a dream come true because Argus is probably one of the only living comedians right now Still doing stand up yeah. in the '70s, still rocking it now, and not. He gave us great advice on TV, how to get in the comedy store now, stuff like that. He, uh, the advice where he said, "Make a note." Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking doing that. Uh, you know what? Look at, my, look at my note right here. He put it on a Walmart. No, no. This favor. is
1: this is this is the McDonald's that we just ate about uh, seven, seventeen hamburgers there. Uh, <laughs> but man, no, he's right about that. He's 100 percent right,
0: man. That was a that was awesome. That was I'm just so shocked because it was like Well he actually told
1: us his early history of the comedy store and what they went through together. Yeah,
0: and he made me feel like an idiot for saying I liked his cousin. <laughs> but uh Um but wow, that was that is an interview. You know what I mean? Sweetest guy too. Like, oh, just a gentleman. And just so fast, oh, you know. Total total cool guy. Like if you're a stand up comedian, like I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm blown out words because there's not a lot of interviews that just, like, usually I have something else to say. Yeah, you do. And I'm just. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, I'm just like, wow.
1: <laughs> no, I, listen. You know what I was going to mention? I forgot this, you know. And I bet you'll agree with me on this. Uh, Oracle's Hamilton is one of the few comedians out there that dresses so well.
0: Oh yeah. That, he damn, is that's so, what I wanted to ask I, I him. I swear
1: he's such a classy dresser. He'll he come dre- up and he dress afterwards a, he
0: dresses in oh. a suit.
1: And looking good. Yeah. And then someone comes in there in a T shirt and like, you know, a hoodie and you know, their pants are up, you know, with a crack showing. Sometimes.
0: Yeah, well, you, well not you, always. You know, you know he's class. Oh yeah. You know David though. David said that Argus was uh one of those people who should have been the Tonight Show host. Oh and yeah, I yeah. that that goes without saying. I agree, man. You know, that, like, that goes
1: without saying. And uh, you know, it's his show though. He's got that golf. Uh,
0: That's going to be that interesting. Sounds, that sounds hilarious. It sounds hilarious. But see, I mean, I I, I, sounds... I don't I don't know anything about golf. So I. But probably... you you have
1: done some caddying. Don't say that because you did some caddying with your uncle and so you know your way a little around the around
0: yeah but i don't know anything about the sport like yeah. i don't know how you don't many... play golf yeah. you don't get
1: out and swing no, no every day and...
0: you want to hear a golf story <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so my all right we got seven minutes sure. to kill we're, we're, and uh we're gonna try to kill it yeah we're gonna kill it okay so here's a golf yeah. story okay. uh this doesn't really involve me it mm-hmm. involves my uncle ed so my uncle ed and i were at the uh, Patrick Warburton's Celebrity Golf yeah. Tournament. And Patrick Warburton, as you know, is my adopted uncle. Yeah. And he does a, a comedy competition every year. And they're celebrities. So we were assigned to do to guard the hole-in-one plate. Mm-hmm. And it was like hole 15 or something like that. And it was like the longest hole in the drive. Okay? And uh, if you got a hole-in-one, you get a free car. Like a free brand-new car. Okay. It's really hard to get a hole in one. I mean, like, I think think Tiger Woods has maybe nine his entire career. Mm -hmm. Like, it's that hard. So, me and Uncle Ed are just talking to all the celebrities, you know, that are coming by. Blah, blah, blah. And then Dr. Gadget comes in. Okay. And Dr. Gadget is a celebrity because he's invented gadgets. Sure. You know? And I don't really know much about him, but I know that's his claim to flame you know oh i invented a watch you know something like that <laughs> so dr gadget is about to hit the ball mm-hmm. and uncle ed and i are talking and we're just talking about girls you know and uncle ed's like so yeah jennifer left has a nice rack you know and i was like oh yeah and he's like uncle ed just makes me laugh you sure. know I mean, he's not coming sure. and he's just saying stuff you know because it's so ridiculous on sure. how to get the whole in one so dr gadget hits it and it was the worst shot ever like the ball went in the pond uh-huh. and then my uh, uncle heads like hey doctor gadget since i was uh i was talking i'll let you hit one more time and if you make it we'll count that as the hole in one sure you know since i was being rude and so doctor gadget turns to us and he's like thank you i'll take you up on that offer you were being rude <laughs> and uncle heads like i know <laughs> so doctor gadget hits the ball again and i swear to god the hole is right here, and the ball hits maybe five feet from the hole in one. Like it never happens. And my Uncle Ed was like panicking. He was like, Thank God that did not go in. <laughs> <laughs> because the goal is not to give the car. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. So he was just panicking the whole time. He's like, Did you see how close that was? Well, you know, and Dr. Gadget was like, That's a shot. You
1: know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> But that's a story. It's not really that funny. But, you know, whatever.
1: Well, you're making a point about how hard golf is. Oh, yeah. It's very, very hard. And how you could lose or win a car. Uh Yeah. So that's pretty cool.
0: Well, Alan, (laughs) why don't you tell us about next week since I won't be here. I'll be at the Bray Improv with uh, Jeff Richards. Yes, indeed. Well, Uh, uh, next week. This uh, will be
1: the Alan Riffs show. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be very interesting, even for me. Uh Um, Well, we have a guest, uh, I'm hoping, and uh, that the gentleman's name is... uh, Ron Lynch, and um, we will see. Uh, he should be here, and it's going to be a blast. Oh, he's coming in the studio, or he's calling in. You know what? As of now, he's going to be calling in.
0: Oh, okay. And uh, how come, I get it that this is Sherman Oaks? But how come no one likes to go to the studio? So far, Bobby Slayton's the only one who likes to go to the studio. I, I don't know. And I gave him the wrong fucking address. I <laughs> you remember I know, because, that? Yeah, it's true. Maybe that's why. I don't know. <laughs> But I'll tell you,
1: I thought about it, think about it. If you're lying in your bed or at home and you know, sitting there uh, munching and drinking and whatever, I don't see the problem of calling it in. Maybe that, that we're starting a trend.
0: Oh, yeah, calling it in is great. I just, uh lying on the bed, I think you should probably lose that line.
1: Well, I don't know because I lie in the beds often just talking to people and stuff. You lie on
0: the bed when you talk to me on the phone?
1: No. no. I definitely, when I talk to you, I, I try to get up and walk around. Oh,
0: okay. Because yeah, the you know. second you lie on the bed when you talk to me, hang up. <laughs> Conversation over. Yeah, well, I'm here next week, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we'll, we will
1: see. We will see. And it should be a very interesting show.
0: And it's going to be great. And uh, tonight... We had a great time. Tonight... As always. I told Alan in the car... Tonight is probably going to be the most interesting episode, and it totally was. It was just—it was uh, like this is an episode where like I'm probably going to listen to you every single day until I get reach my goals. I will be listening to oh, this. this is—I
1: believe me tonight. I will listen. This in the. In the uh,
0: this is a comedian hero of so many comedians.
1: That's correct,
0: and he's telling you don't hope do it
1: that's a big part of this
0: like that's like a motivational you know well you know what do you hear that part where you
1: said that it's a battle for all artists between the lazy sloth and the competitive uh artist that wants to do what he has to do in a sloth yeah wow that, that that hit me pretty hard i'm just the sloth i always give in to the sloth you don't you're the competitive You're very good I get by when I, I get ribbed up. It's always but you you are just a com, you're the com, you're really competitive. You say you know, the contest, I'm getting out there and doing the uh the roast, you know. I'm
0: pretty competitive, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't like to be but I am You you are because I I, I can
1: be, but only if I'm I'm like my well, back you, is to the wall.
0: Well you know what it is is um like I'm very competitive yeah. because um you know I've been I've been pushed down so much in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it just you get tired of being second best. So I think the competitiveness in me, because like I'm Rudy. You know what I mean? Like sure. I don't, I don't win, but I just keep coming back up. Yeah, sure. Like, like Rocky. Yeah, like Rocky. Like but Rocky Ro- Balboa. Rocky won in the second, but one. he did finally. Yeah, Adrian. Adrian. The director's giving us the light, so we got. Yeah, I guess we God, that's the light. man. That was a yeah. great episode. So, all right, um, hey everybody! So tune in next week with Alan Lee. I'll be at the Bray Improv with Jeff Richards once again. Follow Argus Hamilton on Facebook. He's more on Facebook than Twitter. And
1: read his jokes. There. Read he his puts them up. Newspaper. They're jokes. a hoot. Just, Thirteen a day. they just they're, they're dying. Wow. We read some at the. Uh, Thirteen right.
0: new jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Holy Lord! And he's up by six to run eight miles, and he lives in Beverly Hills. I feel slothful already. That was a great show, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Keith Reza. And I'm Alan Lee. All right. Thank you guys so much. See you next week. See you next week.
1: You're listening to Reza Riffs with Keith Reza and Alan Lee right here on L.A. Talk Radio.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback—good, honest, terrible—doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo. If you would like to chat with me there, www.stereo.com/keithraza.